soon. Um, welcome to RUF. RUF is a Christian ministry on campus. We're here for Christians and non-Christians. We're here to help you figure out what it means to follow Jesus while you're in college. I'm glad you're here. Uh, thanks for braving the cold. Full permission, if you get like, if you start going semi-hypothermic and you can feel your breath getting shallow, just go sit with the fire. It's okay. Just do it. Just stand up, go sit with the fire. It's totally cool. Do that. Um, I also want you to hear from me, um, whoever you are, uh, if you feel out of place, um, I want you to know that you belong here. You belong here because this is not a place about feeling good, not a place about being good. This place is about Jesus, and he invites all of you to be here. So you belong, and I hope that you feel that way. Um, My name is Willis Weatherford. Again, I'm the RUF campus pastor. I'm kind of new here, moved to town a month ago, so haven't met you yet. Would love to meet you. I'm here to help you wrestle with God as he's revealed himself in the Bible. So that's what we're about to do. It's like, look at Jesus and wrestle with him as he's revealed himself in the Bible. Um, One thing about me, I'm a glutton for punishment. So some of you heard last week, I lost to Austin. Is Austin here? Austin's not here. It's okay. No shame to Austin. She's busy. Um, Anyway, I lost to Austin in that trail race. I signed up for the next race, which is technically a trail race, uh, the Chessie F Marathon. Who's running the Chessie F Marathon? I know Anna is. Anybody else? Nobody else? Just me and Anna. I'm going to lose to Anna. I can already feel it, which is depressing. And she's training hard, and I'm not training, so it's going to happen. So anyway, stay tuned. If anybody wants to sign up, 5K, 10K, half marathon, please, someone slower than me sign up, okay? I need something. Um, But wait, you got me? Okay, let's go, Natalie, let's go. The thing I really want you to know about me, though, is that I'm not a good person. But Jesus loves me, and he loves you. And that changes everything. So let's look at that tonight. Tonight we're looking at the question, what is the good life? What's the good life? What is it? So my son Judah, he's four years old, he thinks the good life is basically just like the day lasting as long as possible. Uh, The other day, a couple mornings ago, in the morning, he asked me, he's like, Daddy, is this going to be a long day? And I was like, uh, not sure, buddy. And then we get close to the end of the day, let's say we're like playing outside in the afternoon, and like... My wife, Mary's like, all right, almost time for dinner. He's like, no, this hasn't been a long day. <laughs> he just wants it to go on and on. And so maybe for some of you, like, a long life, like, that's part of your vision for the good life. Um, we're going to look more at that. We're going to look at answers tonight. Two questions. Um, or we're going to look at the two answers that these two competing kingdoms we've been talking about give to this question, what is the good life? So the secular kingdom we're living in here at Washington and Lee that like, that's the air we breathe, that's part of us. What does that say the good life is? And then the kingdom of God that Jesus reveals to us in Luke. What does that say the, the good life is? <clears throat> Here's where we're going to go tonight. Two points from Luke 6. How can we feel good? How can we be good? Okay, two points. How can we feel good? How can we be good? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this chance to look at you and your word. And I ask that this would not just be a bunch of people um, listening to me. Um, I don't think I have much to say, but you have a lot to say in your word, Jesus. And so we ask that you would help us to, to wrestle with that and that you would come by your Holy Spirit and that you would invade our hearts and make us alive where we're dead, convict us where we're complacent, give us joy and hope where we're feeling hopeless and sad and depressed. We just need you, Jesus. Come help us now, we ask in his name. Amen. Okay, so... Uh, First, how can we feel good? There's this phrase you've probably all heard. It's pretty common these days. I just want to feel okay. 
Just want to be okay. Just want to feel okay. Put in a quick Google search. Uh, here's what Google says. Here's how to feel okay if you're not okay. So listen up. Um, first, meditate. Get up and move your body. Write down what you're grateful for. Write down three things you like about yourself. Call a family or a friend. Read something enjoyable. Make a healthy recipe. Accomplish something small. Okay. So that's one answer uh, the secular kingdom has produced um, to this question, how do I feel good? I want you to notice all those are things that you do. So, sorry, music team, you're going to have a lot of work to do. You want to grab those now? You can grab them if it's going to like blow all over the place. Your call. Your call, guys. Okay. <laughs> I've got... <laughs> I've got one in text set. Yeah, just go grab them. That's cool. I got one in text set right up here. I'm like, oh, wait. The wind just had to pick up at the wrong moment. Here's one. Like, wait a minute. Cool. Good job, guys. Okay, so um, one thing I want you to notice about that list, and there's... There's other answers to that question. How can I feel good, especially if I don't feel good? But a lot of them are things that you do. That was my page. <laughs> gonna have to like do this all the time. That's cool. Uh, a lot of them are things that you do. And when you're not feeling that good, a lot of times you don't want to do stuff. So there's kind of an issue there, a disconnect. Jesus has a much better comfort for us, actually, in the kingdom of God. We'll see it in a second. He's got a much better... <laughs> Is there anything else that can fall down? <laughs> Man, on our toes here. Wow. That'll look alive. <clears throat> it's going to keep happening the whole night, you guys. Yeah, Anna's already taken down the banner. Good job, Anna. Everybody give Anna a hand. That's right, Anna. That's thinking ahead, people. Work smarter, not harder. Okay, so back to this. Jesus has a better comfort for us. And we'll see in a second. But a lot of you here, maybe you're not in that spot where you're like, I just want to feel okay. Actually, you feel really good. You're like, no, I'm having a great time. I'm like, Washington and Lee, got my friend group. I'm kind of living my best life. I'm on the top of my game. Like, you're enjoying your life. Does Jesus have anything to say to you? Actually, Jesus speaks to both kinds of people. Those who feel bad and those who feel good. And first he speaks to those who feel bad, okay? And he names their problem and he gives us hope. He says, the kingdom that you're living in is broken. That's why you feel bad, but a better kingdom is coming. So this is what he says. Blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom of God. That word blessed could also be translated as happy. He's talking about emotions, maybe a deeper level of emotion than we normally think about, but he's talking about emotions. He says, blessed are you who are hungry now for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when, and then he lists off all these things that like, you are not happy when they happen, okay? When people hate you and they exclude you, revile you, spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. He says, rejoice in that day and leap for joy because behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. So this, this word blessed like happy, it's not talking about just the temporary happiness that kind of depends on your circumstances, comes and goes. It's talking about this deep sense of well-being that comes when you have something so good that you're looking forward to 
that it carries you even through momentary hardship and pain? What if you could feel a peaceful joy even in sorrow? That comes from knowing the future, a good future. So um, there's this time when I lived in Nepal. Love to tell you that full story sometime. Uh, so where Mount Everest is, I lived there for a while. And um, I rode my bicycle around everywhere. Uh, didn't wear a helmet because I was dumb. And uh, there's buses on this, this main street that I would ride my bike on all the time. And one day I had my headphones in. I'm just like doing my thing, biking along. And I go across the street and out of nowhere, this bus just comes, wham, 45 miles an hour, hits me broadside, thankfully throws me off the road. It uh, doesn't run over me. Uh, I think I passed out. I'm not really sure. But then I sit up. And it's the craziest thing because, like, I sit up. I'm on the ground. And I, like, look around. And my bike is, like, 10 feet away down the road. My shoes are, like, 25, 30 feet away down the road. It's, like, way over there. The bag that I had on my shoulder is, like, broken 10 feet away. And, um, you know, this guy on his motorcycle stops, picks me up, puts me on the back of his motorcycle, drives me to a clinic. They sew me up. Didn't do a great job because I had this cut on my head, broken ribs, and a cut on my foot. And the cut on my foot got infected. Not, not even their fault. I don't know. But it got infected. And it, like, I'm, like, putting iodine on it and, like, the, the cream that's supposed to make it get better or whatever. I don't have access to a lot of good health care because I'm in this, like, you know, developing country. And it just stays infected for, like, a couple months. And it's bad. And it's, like, gross, swollen. Not good. And um, then this doctor comes. Swiss doctor, uh, my like, uh, one of the people, I was there as a missionary on our team was this girl from Switzerland. Her dad was a surgeon. Her dad comes over to visit. He's like, we're going to take care of that. I was like, okay. And so he gets out his needle and he starts like cutting stuff. And like, I'm awake for the whole thing. It's crazy. Kind of gross. Sorry for those of you. Some of you, I'm sorry. I just saw somebody's eyes just like clenched shut. They almost threw up. I'm really sorry for that story. But what I'm telling this story for is I was totally fine throughout that, you know, minor surgery because I knew that the pain was healing me, right? I knew that my future with a foot that was not infected and maybe going to fall off was much better than my present with this infected foot. Jesus says, if you're having a really hard time right now, if you're the person who feels bad, if you're poor, hungry, weeping, everybody hates you and excludes you and reviles you even... If you're in Christ, your future in the kingdom of God for eternity is good enough to outweigh all of that. Even if it was like 80 years, your entire life of just pure suffering. Even if that was true, he says that 80 years is situated in the middle of eternity with God, where you are going to have perfect life with the God who made you and loves you on this world remade new. You're good. You're okay in the big picture. That's the kind of comfort that we need when we can't change our circumstances. But what if you feel good? Okay, so you're like, okay, that's nice for those people. What if you're feeling really good right now and you're like, no, like, this is it. Like, I'm loving it. I walk around on this campus, actually, and, uh, I mean, right now, I see a lot of people who are one day going to be very successful and have good-looking spouses and really cute babies and big houses And that's awesome. I love that. And you should too. That's great. But Jesus has a caution for us. There's a caution that he gives next here. He says, Woe to you who are rich, for you've received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when everybody speaks well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Quick aside here. 
Jesus doesn't have a problem with being wealthy or rich. Actually, some of the people who supported Jesus' ministry and made it possible were really wealthy women. So he doesn't have a problem with being wealthy. Um, The issue is when your riches now are your only consolation. When being full now is your only source of well-being. When you laugh now, but you have pain coming for eternity. When everybody speaks well of you now, but your name is not written in the book of life. Jesus is doing the same thing he did for the people who feel bad, right? He's saying, even if your life now is just 80 years of pure awesome, it's amazing. You have everything you could ever want. If that's all you have and the rest of eternity is apart from God and pain and not with him, like you're not good. You're not okay. He's saying, zoom out. Look at the big picture here. If that's all you have, woe to you. So little story here. Um, there's this ship they recently discovered on the bottom of the Irish Ocean, the SS Masaba. Um, it was among the several vessels that sent warning messages to the Titanic before it struck the iceberg and you know sank. Uh, and so it sends this telegram or whatever they sent, I don't know, radio, I don't know. They sent a message. And it said, uh, to the Titanic, it gives their lo- location, latitude, and longitude. And here's what they say. They say, saw much heavy pack ice, Great number of large icebergs, also field ice. The message was received by the Titanic, 9.40 p.m., like not that long before they hit the iceberg. But there was only one guy at the telegraph thing. He missed it somehow, didn't like pass on the message. He ignored it to their peril, you know, to their doom. If you're here tonight, listen, like if you're here tonight and you know that you're living far from God, you know you're not following him, you know you're doing your own thing, maybe you're like, you know what? I'll start doing that, like following him when I get older, once I've kind of had my fun. I want you to hear this. You're ignoring the message that Jesus is sending you. Jesus says, wake up. Change course now. Okay, because you're living on God's time. <laughs> He's the one that gives you every single day. And nobody here knows how much time God's giving you. We don't, no day is guaranteed to us. This could be your last day. We don't know. So turn from your sin to Jesus. That's the good news, guys. It's like, you don't have to clean up your act before you turn to Jesus. You can turn right now. You can turn right now to Jesus and he will welcome sinners like me and you with open arms. He will. So that's how to feel good. Okay, Jesus speaks to us whether we feel good, whether we feel bad, and addresses this. And then he turns to, how do we be good? Which is, I think, like a question that we wrangle a lot with. I feel like Generation Z... I'm a millennial. Even millennials kind of deal with this, especially y'all's generation. The question, how do I be good, is pretty pressing. Like, what does it take for me to be a moral person? The secular kingdom we live in has a simple formula, pretty simple. Bumper sticker I see around all the time, so after the day, two words, be kind. They're like, okay, be kind. I can maybe work on that, do that. I saw a t-shirt just today, be kind, be brave. Okay, two things, be kind, be brave. There's this yard sign you've probably seen. It's like this manifesto of moral issues to care about. It says, we believe black lives matter. No human is illegal. Love is love. Women's rights are human rights. Science is real. Water is life. Injustice anywhere is a threat to injustice everywhere. And I'm not making fun. Like, I, I agree with basically all of those things, right? Like, those are good things to believe. But it's going to get more complicated, right? Is that what we have to do? Do we have to just choose the right issues from this grab bag of moral 
and political issues that are in this world around us and choose the right ones and like make the right posts on social media, say the right things. And that's what it means to be a moral person. Or maybe it's less about like social issues. Maybe it's more about society. If most people you know would describe you as a good person, does that mean you're a good person? You know, if you follow the honor code, are you a good person? If you don't drink and drive, um, if you, you know, maybe you volunteer on the weekends, treat people with respect, show up to your friends, are you a good person? Or if you consider yourself a Christian, right? What does it take for you to feel like a good person? Like you're doing it right. Like you're a good enough Christian. Is it um, not drinking on the weekends or at least like not getting drunk on the weekends? Is it not going to the parties at all? Is it going to church, reading your Bible three or four times a week, praying? Is it not having sex, not looking at porn? Is it, um, you know, showing up to RUF? Is this part of what it means to be a good person for you? Jesus brings clarity to these questions. Okay, and this may sound like bad news, but it's heading towards good news, I promise, so hang with me. He says... Uh, the actions you think make you good, they're not really good. They're not actually good. Okay? So what he says here, hey, where'd it go? He says, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? He just goes through this list of things that we think are good actions. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. So the actions we think are good, like whatever that action is for you, Jesus is saying, yeah, that's actually not good. That's not good enough. Not in God's eyes. And then he lays out this moral standard. Okay, like now he says, okay, here's what actually being good is. But it's impossible to fulfill. (coughs) He says, love your enemies... Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If somebody strikes you on the cheek, offer the other one also. From the one who takes away your cloak, don't withhold your tunic either. Give to everybody who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. So I don't want you to miss what's happening here, guys. Jesus isn't saying all these things, hoping that you'll be like, oh, that's what it takes to be good. I'll go do those things and just like work really hard and try to do all these things. He knows that you can't do this. He knows it's an impossible standard. To all of us who feel like we're pretty good people, Jesus just said, my standard isn't your standard. Your standard of good is what I call bad. If that's offensive, yeah, Jesus is offensive. He just told the best person in here, Not good enough. Not nearly good enough. His answer to the question, how can we be good, is you can't. You can't be good. We kind of think being good is like this. So uh, my friend was climbing in the Needles, uh, this cool area of California. Really good climber. Very capable. He's walking off like after he gets to the bottom, walking back to his car. It's kind of like this kind of slopey, steep area on like rock, just slanted rock. It starts raining He thinks he's going to be fine, but he hits a wet patch. He slips. He falls a long way. Really, really bad. Terrible injuries. Goes to the hospital. By God's grace, survives. Like, randomly, not randomly, by God's grace, there's, like, this crew of firemen doing training there, and they, like, got him out of there really quick, out of the hospital. Anyway, like, it takes months and months and months, but he makes a full recovery. He has to work really hard, physical therapy, got the help of his wife and family, and he makes it back to, like, health status. We think that's what being good is like. (coughs) It's like, maybe I'm bad now, 
but if I work hard enough and like get enough help, find the right way to do it, I can like become good. But we're not spiritually sick. The Bible says we're spiritually dead. We're not morally questionable. We're morally bankrupt. Jesus says, all your effort to be good, and y'all try hard, I know. All that effort, he says, doesn't even move the needle on the scale of your goodness. But listen up. You know what's better than being good? What's better than being good? It's being forgiven. Being forgiven is so much better than being good. This guy named Tim Keller said, the gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. We're loved and accepted in Christ. The word that captures both of those things is forgiven. The hope of the gospel is this, you guys. It's not that God takes, like, um, God takes uh, good people and makes them even better. It's not that God finds like, bad people and then he makes them good. It's that God takes bad people and he forgives them. That's the gospel. Bad people like us, we're forgiven. For, uh, this last verse of the thing. For God is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Lest we think, after all of this, that, like, the, just want to make sure you hear this. This passage is talking about, like, being good and what being good is. The point here is not that you would go and learn to be good enough for God by following these instructions at all. Like, when it says the ungrateful and the evil, God is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Who is that? That's us, guys. That's me and that's you. He came when we were his enemies, when we were not good. And guess what? We, like, he's growing us. Maybe, like, we're doing a little bit less sinning now if we've been following Jesus for a while. And that's great, but that doesn't mean that, like, we're good. <laughs> we're just slightly, like, doing some of the sins a little bit less, which, praise God for that. It's not about being good. It's about being forgiven. In Christ, you're forgiven here. Listen, every single person sitting here, no matter what you've done, if you're the person thinking like, yeah, he doesn't know what I've done. He doesn't like know about the things that I struggle with. Every single person, I'm talking to you, no matter what you've done, if, if you trust Jesus is who he said he was, if you trust that he did what he said he did, you're forgiven, washed totally clean, given all of his righteousness before God. Goodness isn't earned. It's, for, it's given. So trust Jesus, guys, not your best efforts. Okay, so how should we live in light of this? If this is true, how should we live? I mean, one thing, trust Jesus tonight, guys. If it's your first night, please trust him. Just like turn to him in prayer. At the end, I'm going to pray and say, Jesus, like, I've tried to be good. It didn't work. I'd rather be forgiven. Thank you for doing everything necessary to make me forgiven in God's sight. Pray that with me. But another thing, guys, um, I was talking with one of you this week. And you pointed out this issue that the secular kingdom has, this problem that we have in our world, our culture today. We don't have uh, a path to forgiveness. We don't have a, a solution when people mess up. If you mess up, if you fail to advocate the right causes, if you do like some big no-no bad thing in our culture, you're done. It's like career over. We know CEOs who have had to step down or been fired because of just like making the wrong tweet right? Your career can be over. You can be canceled. This is probably happened to some of you guys on social media. I have a friend this happened to just like she didn't make the right post on social media. But Jesus has this beautiful secret to offer the world. And it's rooted in this reality of goodness and forgiveness in the kingdom. The secret is this. We can forgive people. Why? Because 
Every mistake has been paid for. Every mistake. Like, the mistakes don't have to be paid for by the people who do them. Jesus paid for every single mistake. If we can believe our own sins have already been paid for on the cross, we can believe that somebody else's sins, if they're a Christian, have been paid for by Jesus on the cross too and forgive them. But what if they're not a Christian? Like, why should we forgive them? What about those who don't trust Jesus, whose sins aren't covered by his blood? Listen, guys, this is the other aspect of like ethics, goodness in the kingdom of God. God is just. God says, vengeance is mine. Okay, not yours, not mine. It's not on us to like exact vengeance when somebody does us wrong. He says, vengeance is mine. He's talking about hell. This is a big topic. I'd love to talk more with you about it. This is one of those topics that you struggle with. Like, how could a good God send people to hell? I would love to talk with you about that. There's a ton of good stuff in God's Word for us to look at together. So let's schedule coffee. Maybe come up to me afterward. Let's talk. We can get coffee this week sometime. But right now, I want us to look at how God's justice enables our forgiveness. Because God doesn't overlook sin, we can't. Because He promises to judge those who never repent, we don't have to. We don't have to judge them. So who is there in your life that you haven't given forgiveness? What's their name? Like, is there a person's name that comes to mind right now for you? Jesus calls you to forgive that person. I didn't say that you have to forget what they did. Like the whole forgive and forget, that's not in the Bible. I don't think it's possible to forget things that happened to us. It's definitely not in the Bible, not a command. I also didn't say reconcile like, you have to restore the relationship and like get back as close with them as you were before. Sometimes that's possible and it's a beautiful thing when it happens, but it's not always a wise thing to do. It's not always possible. But Jesus does call us to forgive, to entrust justice to God and to offer the wrongdoer as much love, as much care as we can in wisdom. And it may be that God will show them that the only thing better than being good is being forgiven you know, by you and by him. Maybe he uses your forgiveness to point them to his. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your, your wisdom. I mean, you came, Jesus, and just turned our best efforts at being good, being moral, totally on their heads. And it is hard to wrap our minds around, Jesus. Like, it is a process. We ask that you would just put us on that path and help us see how your goodness, your justice is good news for us. Um, yeah, help us to live like you, Jesus. We want to be like you, but we don't want to try to depend on our own good efforts to feel like we're right with you. We want to depend on you and your good works, Jesus, on our behalf. So I just ask for every person here tonight that that's where they're at, that you would give them that trust in you, Jesus, tonight, and help all of us to follow you more closely this week. We ask in your name, Jesus. Amen. You need this? I stole this. (laughs) And then I stole these two.